back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Peak Endurance Podcast with your host, Isabel Ross. As a personal trainer, accredited endurance coach, and now podcast host, Isabel is bringing you the best advice, tips, and tricks for your health and athletics. Having had raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons, she's now brought all of her knowledge and brought it back to you so you can now be an expert. So sit back, relax, and the knowledge you'll receive will have you off to the races. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Episode 144 is an interview with Pete Brickmaster, a world-class athlete who takes on the toughest races known to man. Pete discovered running later in life, running 50 marathons in 50 states to honour his mum. This experience fueled his hunger to accomplish even more and served as a springboard for his cause-driven running journey. After having overcome numerous setbacks and challenges, Pete became the 2018 champion of the Iditarod Trail Invitational 1000, a gruelling 1,000 mile foot race through the harsh winter conditions of the Alaskan wilderness. Through his struggles with depression, Pete has become a passionate advocate for mental health and the practice of mindfulness. He believes everyone deserves to live a life of hope. Pete is an incredibly inspirational person, which I am sure you will agree comes across in this interview. Now, on another topic, if you haven't already, make sure you head to my website, peakendurancecoaching.com.au and register for the goal-setting webinar that's coming up next week on the 12th of January. I've had people ask if they can access it if they are not able to attend on the actual date and the answer is yes. The session will be recorded so you can listen in and watch at any time. The only difference, of course, will be that you won't be able to participate in the live Q&A. Other than that, it will be the full webinar with booklets, checklists and a PDF of the webinar itself. All this for only $35 or $55 for two if you pay for two tickets at once. I have achieved long-term success in my running through setting goals and creating habits and systems that enable me to achieve them. Find out how I do this and incorporate these concepts into your life. The link will be in the show notes. <clears throat> Also, if you want to get more general awesome running info, make sure you join the Peak Endurance Running Group on Facebook. It's a great place for all things endurance running. Enjoy the episode. Hey, it's Tom here, back with some more thoughts. And this week I want to talk a little bit about training and um, kind of how it can adapt and being open to new training philosophies and training ways of training and not being stuck in your ways. I might have touched on this before, but coming into a new year, um, I just wanted to mention and think what I find something that's important, um, you know, when you're creating new training plans is not to get stuck in your own ways and be open to new ways of training. Um, and, you know, even if the last ways worked, look in some new ways where you can get some more growth uh, in your training, uh, you know, someone that always runs low intensity long distance runs add in the fast runs or fast runners are doing short all the time add in some longer runs just little things like that or adding in different terrains and it's we all get stuck in our own ways and it gets comfortable and over time we start to yeah we stop growing we stop getting better we get stuck and stagnant and but it's so comfortable to be in that zone and it's so easy to be there and you get in the flow of the things and um it, but and it works for a time but then you get to a point where you stop growing and you stop improving and so coming to a new year and setting new goals new training plans i really want to try and encourage people to think beyond their normal training and think what other ways they can add to improve their training and make themselves a better runner or, or you know whatever your goals are and 
um, just to keep that open mind. So that's my thoughts this week. So you like running, but you're feeling pain or irritation. You can't enjoy it like you once did. Or worse, your performance has taken a big hit. Now you're reminiscing on the good times where the wind blew past your ears. Nature looked lovely as you passed it. What are you waiting for? Go and visit the specialist at Health and High Performance. With the latest in technology and a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can help you with all your running injury and performance needs. Let's get you back to doing something you love with the results you're capable of. Head over to healthhp.com.au slash run, or you can find them on Instagram at Health High Performance. Health and High Performance are located in Mount Albert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments, not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. So contact them now on their website to find out more. Hi, Pete, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No worries. No, um, can you, for the listeners who may not have heard about you, can you tell them a bit about yourself, your athletic background, and how you became a runner? Yes, uh, I, I've been an athlete my whole life. Uh, growing up, it was ball sports. You know, it was all the you know chasing after a ball and tackling people and 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 all that. That's how I got my my aggression out when I was a young boy, and so that was always fun. Um, but then I kind of uh, went through a little bit of life where I wasn't playing sports and, and it was, it was crushing me. You know, I, I, I definitely didn't want to be one of those people talking about, you know, 10, 20 years ago and things like that. So yeah, it was, good old uh, days. Yep. yeah, right. You know, I did, I, I didn't, I was kind of slipping into that, you know, in the middle age and uh, <laughs> luckily I found, luckily I found running and uh, it's been a savior for me. And so uh yeah, that, that's kind of what got me started and, and the athletic background, um, definitely competitive, um, but mostly with myself. So, which, which is the beauty of running because you can just be competitive with yourself if that's what you choose. There's something for everybody, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, and that's another reason I love it, you know, and I, I embrace that whole, you know, the, the, the front and the back, you know, um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, you know, I have a lot of respect for runners in general, just because it's tough to get off the couch. You know, it's tough to, to be active. Um, so you're winning the fight by even being outside doing it. So that's the way I look at it, for sure. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree 100%. Now, um, can you tell us about how you ran 50 marathons in 50 states? Yes, uh, that was from 2008 to 2013. So it was, uh, it was, it came, came hot and heavy. Um, originally, I started running the marathons because I wanted to raise money for breast cancer. I had lost my mother uh, in, in 2000, so a while back. Um, and, and it took me a long time to get myself into a position in life to uh, want to give back and, and yeah. want to do some things for others. You know, there are some dark years for me, for sure. Um, so running was quite a bit of a savior for me. And, uh, you know, it just it kind of clicked as far as it was a physical, uh, you know, uh, sport, but it was also very mental. And mm. I really loved how that intertwined and played with with running and ultimately further distances. But the marathons were great 
Um, it was a great way to travel and meet people and run in beautiful places and some not so beautiful places <laughs> and, uh, and some roads and trails and uh, very diverse. Um, got to run with a lot of friends and, uh, and celebrate a, a finish that I thought was kind of be something that I would hang my hat on. Um, but, you know, things have just continued to progress since that time for me. And that, that seems to happen with a lot of runners. They think, oh, this was all I'll need to do. But then it's, it becomes a real, um, I hate to say, I don't like to use the word addiction, but it, it becomes a, a positive addiction, I guess. Absolutely. Yes. I, that's the way I look at it as well. You know, there's a lot of things I could be doing that, that yeah. wouldn't even be, uh, wouldn't even be sniffing the positive realm. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be running for sure. Yeah, sorry, I just realized I need to uh, plug in my laptop. Um, no so problem. my next question, I was wondering why it wasn't looking so good. My next question for you then is um, you, um, that's better, you won the 2018 Iditarod Trail Invitational. Um, can you tell my listeners who may not have heard of that race a bit about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, that's a... Uh, Ultimately, a lot of people have heard of it because of it's a sled dog race in Alaska. And it's uh, in the in, kind of in the north in, in the United States and some places around the world. It's famous for the, the history of the, the, the trail. Uh, mostly it's done by dog sled. Um, and I, I gave that a whirl and found that that wasn't, you know, something that I wanted to do with my life. And so, uh, Oh, so you I, I tried the that, dog sledding first. I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, af- after I lost my mom, um, I moved up to Alaska and, and um, ran sled dogs for a couple of years. Uh, yeah. And it's funny because, you know, at the time, you know, things kind of float around in my life a lot, but um, things come back. And, you know, that's when I really learned how to take care of myself in Alaska is during that time, you know, when I was running dogs. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I had some great mentors, some people that took me, you know, taught me a lot about taking care of myself, making good sound decisions, you know, um, and, and limiting mistakes and, and, and such, which is big, big work in Alaska in the winter. Um, so, so this, the Iditarod Trail Invitational is a human powered race. So after I became an ultra runner, I, I heard about a human powered race on the Iditarod Trail and that's a foot bike or ski. And yeah. you do 350 miles, which is considered the short course or a <laughs> thousand miles, which is all the way to Nome. And uh, ultimately, that's what I wanted to do um, and, and, and accomplished in 2018. After many, many years, I think uh, five years in a row doing that race, starting with the 350 and getting last place uh, in, in my first 350. So um, I, and I love speaking about that. I certainly don't want to be the person that only speaks about the successes. Um, there are some learning moments out there on the trail for me for many years. And, and I was going to say that, I mean, those, those early races where perhaps you didn't go as well as you were hoping, they're actually probably the ones you learned the most of about that you could apply and thus were able to win because of those. Would you agree? A hundred percent, you know, and, and I look back and I would have done it the same way, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of times you can read books until the cows come yeah. home. You know, you can, you can listen to podcasts and read books and do this, but ultimately it's a different thing when you're out there in the, in the wilderness, to, you know, the stakes are higher. And, um, you know, so yeah, that, that's, um, you know, to me, um, the, the, the failures led, they were stepping stone stones to successes. 
you know, and, and sometimes I didn't even know it. You know, sometimes I was disappointed because I was, you know, in my head, I was, I wanted to do better in the race or, you know, some better time or place. And ultimately it was just learning for something bigger. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's, that's a great um, message for the listeners there too. Can I ask though, how you get got from running marathons to doing such long distances? You know, I think I've always had the mental wherewithal. I've always loved the mountains. I've always loved, uh, you know, always felt very comfortable, you know, kind of uh, on my own. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of always been that way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm this type of person. I'm not very socially, you know, I'm kind of socially awkward, to be honest. Um, even though I'm a public speaker, sometimes um, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm never the center of attention. I'm never, you know, surrounded by people. I'm kind of like always had one foot out the door um, <laughs> in my life. And, um, and so that the, the mountains and the trails, um, ultimately, they bring me peace. And, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these people that really cares um, what sport people play or what they call it or whatever. I, I just ultimately think that this sport really brings a lot of peace to people that are looking for yeah. it. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that, that was, um, you know, but yeah, the, you know, everything kind of led further and further. And to be honest, I was really trying early in my ultra running career to find a distance that, that I couldn't do. You know, uh -huh. I, I would, okay. you know, I, I, yeah. you know, I would ran 50 marathons. And by the time I was done with those marathons, I did not want to run another one. <laughs> you know, um, people are like, are you going to do the States again? And I've done them seven times. I'm like, no, 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 I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, then I wanted to run the, and I took all the right steps. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people make mistakes of really trying to take on too much too soon. Yeah. Um, I would, if you look at my career, I, I started with marathons, then I went to 50 K's and 50 milers and then hundred miler and then 200 miler. And, yeah. you know, and so it was, it was um, learning how to, um, you know, be comfortable with myself, uh, you know, when you, when you think you're lost and when you're off mm. course and when weather comes in and, when everything goes not to plan, you know? Um, so I learned a lot and I feel like kind of everything led to testing myself further and further. And so when I was, was in Alaska in the Iditarod and I failed a couple of years, uh, I guess it was 2016 and 2017, I quit both of those years trying to get to Nome, trying to get the thousand miles and quit. And, you know, it just left a horrible taste in my mouth. So it was just one of those, I'm very stubborn you know, like if there's a, if there's a possibility of something happening and I want it, then I will do it until it's dead. You know, I, I will just continue working towards it. And so, um, you know, it's just, it, it, it keeps me alive. It keeps me working towards things like you said, that are positive, you know? Yeah. And look, and, and stubbornness is a great trait to have if you're an ultra runner, because you kind of need to be when the distances are getting that long. And, and when things aren't going your way, yeah. you know, um, you know, you have stomach issues, blister issues, you're getting nauseous, you're lost, you're, you're sick, you're tired, you're sleeping, you know, all these things come to, to haunt you in long races, but you know, just to have that mental capacity to uh, uh, keep everything together and keep moving is, is always a challenge that I'm up for. You know? and, and I think you, you're right. I mean, going through the distances, would have trained you physically but also mentally um over shorter mm. distances and and i think that's part of it too is the mental training as well 
I, I think it's a huge part of it, more than physical, in my in my opinion, because in long runs, you know, I think a lot of people too make now granted there are people doing incredible things like running 100 miles and 12 and 13 hours at, you know, seven, eight minutes per mile and my hat's off to them that is a whole nother level. Yeah. But you know, uh, I, I think most people have to understand that the majority of people that are doing those races, especially longer 100 mile runs. There's a lot of hiking involved. Um, sometimes they're stopping to sleep, uh, to eat, to cry, to poop. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many things going on in those races. So it's, uh, you know, again, the, the, the strong mind is, is, is everything. I mean, you can unravel so fast and one mistake can lead to another. And next thing you know, you're feeling bad for yourself. And um, usually that's the time when I like to really dig deep is when things aren't going well and all others around me are, are kind of, you know, thrown in the cards. I'm like, all right, I'm just getting started. You know, it's going to take more than this to take me out. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just stubborn, um, you know, stubborn from childhood, really. <laughs> well, well, that's good. That's good. So how do you train for a race this long? Well, the, the, the Iditarod was three years ago now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm running 100 miles. I've, I've, I'm working on a new project where I'm trying to run 100 mile runs in all 50 states. Oh, awesome. And so, yeah, that's Love the it. new project that I've been working on. And uh, let's see, I'm in, 60. In what time frame, can I ask? You know, um, to be honest, part of me wants to think that it was funny when I started running the 50 marathons in 50 states in 2008. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wonder if I could finish this by the time I'm 50 years old. <laughs> And, you know, I started crushing them, you know, like 10 a year and finished in five years. And I was like 40 years old. I'm like, then I got into long distance running and now I'm running these hundreds and I'm going to maybe try and finish by the time I'm 50. Um, and I got, uh, I got 16 uh, states in right now. And so I have 34 states left and my plan is to run about seven a year. Um, uh, God, you know, God willing, as long as my body holds up and my mind holds up and my family yeah. <laughs> continues to support me and, uh, mm. and that, but, um, yeah, so, so, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, training for long runs these days for me is not so much about like really following a big plan and doing long runs back to back and like putting myself in the pain cave. It's really just being fit, you yeah. know, being lean and fit and mentally strong. And a lot of times I do not want to go to the start line overtrained and tired. So sometimes I'm, you know, um, sometimes I'm a little bit undertrained, but have the mentality that I know, um, I know it's going to get mental and I know that physical is going to go to shit, uh, whether you want it to or not, you know? And so, um, a lot of me is just, um, you know, a, a mental trumps physical again. And, and I, and I'm like a broken record, but it's, it's how I feel. Yeah, no, no, I agree completely. Um, in saying that, though, do you do anything like speed work or anything like that? No, I mean, you know, uh, I am one of these I'm, you know, I have no idea how I haven't had a bunch of injuries. I do not stretch. I mean, I'll stretch, I'll stretch like once every other year, you know, I'll like put my, I'll put my arms up and go side to side and be like, all right, I'm good. You know, and, <laughs> I mean, I've just, I, I've, I like, I'll pay, I'll pay the price. Like I fully realize that I am like, you know, beating my body up 
Yeah. Um, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to really try and fit in some of the, uh, you know, slower, you know, um, uh, recovery and, um, you know, taking some time off to live life because yeah. ultimately this is, a, this is a project that I'm working on, but this is not my life. You know, um, my life is my family and my day to day and my friends and my faith. And, and yeah. so it's, it's fun to keep me going, but you know, there's a lot of other things that are important to me as well. Yeah, and I think that's important to be a well-rounded human, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, like to me, it's, you know, I'll meet someone that's like some hotshot ultra runner uh, and, you know, and I'll meet them and, and after five minutes, I'll be kind of turned off because I'm like, gosh, all they were talking about was running and, and all their accomplishments. And it's like, I'd like to know people for other things. Like what, what, what else do they do? What's something different that they do outside of the running world? Because I honestly don't love talking about running. You know, I've been doing that. I've been doing this long enough to where it's like, you know, I get in a conversation when people start talking about PRs and belt buckles yeah. and this and that and ultra sign up scores. And I'm like, Boop, gone. I'm out of there. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's fair enough. Um, so back to the um, Iditarod, um, mm -hmm. races often say it's a race for the 350 and then an expedition after that. After you pass the 350 mile point where the other racers who are doing the shorter distance leave, right. did, did the race change for you? Yeah, that's a really committed, uh, once you leave the 350, uh, that's always difficult. Uh, even in the years that I uh, failed and went a little further than 350, you know, um, 350 is a celebration. People are usually there drinking beers, yeah. um, celebrating that they did 350 miles. And and you have to really kind of go in there and just understand that, you know, you can't get caught up in this at no. all. You know, you can't, you know, because you're not even really a third of the way through your race. Um, and, you know, you've been supported pretty well getting to 350, but a lot of ways you're kind of like patted on the back and good luck. Hope you get to know them. It's a yeah. lot of just you on your own. Um, so that's when that self-sufficiency comes in that I feel like I learned from a lot of masters in, in, in Alaska on how to, how to take care of myself and keep my fingers and toes and my nose. And, you know, I mean, it's brutal up there. I mean, people ask if I'm going back. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I suffered for five years and I don't think I, you know, if I suffer again in that way, it will probably be for a different destination. You know, it, it probably won't be for the same thing um, again. I think that's, I think that's something that had a life of its own. And I finished, and and uh, the, it was the bookends. You know, the first yeah. year I got last place, and then humbled myself and learned from people, and and put put the work in, and then won the year my last year, and kind of walk away from that and say, there it is. You know, um, yeah, and, and so uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Speaking of yeah. that, how what were the coldest temperatures you encountered out there? I've dealt with uh, probably minus 60, minus 65 degrees and, I've, and, and had to sleep in that weather. Um, now that's Fahrenheit you're talking? Yes, yep. yes. Yep. So it's, uh, I mean, uh, it, there's been some times when I've, when I've had, you know, tried to sleep, I've been falling asleep on my feet and I okay. get into a bivy and start shaking profusely that there's no way I'll keep warm enough to sleep. Uh, let alone, you know, it's it's horrid. And so you just uh, sometimes have to pack back up, put everything back in your sled and literally move until dawn, until the sun comes up, you know, and that's to me, there's been a couple times 
and I'm not trying to be dramatic, but there's mm-hmm. been a couple times in my Iditarod career where it was like my my heart was telling me if you don't move, you're gonna probably die in this situation, or at least you know be frozen and never use your hands and feet again and things like that. So it's a uh, you know, something inside you takes over and it's, it's primal, you know, it's not a race sometimes out there. It's making good decisions. And, and then, you know, if, if it comes together and you, and you do well, then great, but really winning is finishing and and taking care of yourself in races like that. It's an expedition. That's why I don't recommend it for anybody. You know, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not stupid enough to recommend it for anybody. So, yeah. So, and um, Rainy Pass is the most dangerous exposed part. There's zero. You've done your research. I yeah, love it. I this have. Awesome. Yes, this is There's, great. I've got a, fr- well, I've got a good friend. Good on you. <laughs> There's zero trees and shelter, and it's always windy. It's high up. What was your experience going over that pass? It, exactly what you said. It's, it's kind of one of these things where people like to take time and kind of take pictures and it, it ah. is beautiful. I mean, okay. if you, if you can time it, um, there's been sometimes like you could say for me, I can remember times going over rainy pass where I can't see my hand in front of me and it's very dicey trying to f- find the trail. And then I've found times when it's blue sky and it's just ah. these majestic mountains all around you. And you just feel like, you're the only person in the world, you know, I mean, you're, or you're walking on Mars or the moon or some foreign land, because a lot of times you just, there's no one around you. Um, but rainy pass is a wild, wild place. Um, it's, it's in the Alaska range. So it's the same mountain range connected to Denali, Mount McKinley, and, you know, a bunch of big hairy mountains. And so things can happen. Uh, you don't, you know, you know, you don't dilly dally when you're up there. Um, usually I was alone. Um, most times I I found myself traveling alone in that race. And so, uh, you know, it was just kind of like, great, here I am. Now it's about getting down. And really after rainy pass, there's a Dazel gorge, which is very dangerous. And then there's the, uh, the Tatina river, which is, uh, uh, that's the river I almost died in and, and fell through, uh, n- numerous years ago. And so oh, that's man. probably the most hairy point in the whole, whole Iditarod, quite possibly. And so the is whole that, place that section's quite open and windy too, is it? Very much so. And you're on a frozen river and there's mm-hmm. nothing, you know, blocking it. So wind is flying up the river and you are just, um, you know, certain years there's exposed water and um, you know, things hiding to get you, you know, it was just a very eerie, dangerous place. Um, you know, it's another one of these places, like most things in my life, it's I could sit there and go through it and take a picture and show it to people. And they'd be like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. A, ca- a canyon with ice, all, you, know, you know, and it's like, but you're there and it's just things are wild and, and it's it, and you feel like a speck. That's really a yeah. big reason why I did the Iditarod so long and and did so many miles is because it humbled me. It made me feel really small. And it made me respect the 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 people and 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 the and the territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah I I can imagine. I mean, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard the dog mushers often leave surprise treats on the trail after their yes, yes, like yes. candy or whiskey. Did they leave you yeah. any trail treats? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm telling you. In fact, my first I have a great story. My first yeah. year, I was on the trail and. Uh, 
you know, when you're uh, on foot and the dog sled race happens a week after you. Okay. So usually if you're doing the 350, you don't really even see the dogs uh, okay. um, because it doesn't, it doesn't overlap. Usually if you're doing the thousand, you get passed by all the dogs, but if you're doing the 350, it doesn't. But that first year I was in last place all by myself. And it took me a long time, days longer than anyone else in the race. So I was out there by myself making every mistake in the book. <laughs> but one night, one night I'm sleeping in my sleeping bag and I hear like a, a faint, like, you know, like a faint rumbling or something. And I, I, I open my sleeping bag. I look down and I see, uh, I see 32 eyes coming down the trail and I knew it to be the lead sled team you know the lead musher and the lead sled team and so I kind of turned my head and as he went by he smiled and waved you know made sure I was okay and I said yeah I'm doing good you know I'm fine you know no problems here you know you guys look awesome you got a great team go win the Iditarod and and then I takes off next morning as I go for like the next uh probably four trees that are cut down and flat on top there's gummy bears and uh, <laughs> sour patch kids. And there's some, like some of this really good homemade, like, uh, th you know, peanut butter stuff oh, that yeah. he made and, you know, just little gifts along the way. And you know, it was him and, and, uh, and come to find out Martin Boozer is the musher's name and come to find out you talk to other people in our race about that. They're like, Oh, he's known for that. He does that all the time. And uh, so there's awesome. a lot of camaraderie. Yeah. I'm um, usually those first few mushers are trying to move pretty fast because yeah. they're trying to win the Iditarod and win a bunch of cash. And, and, you know, so they're not kind of stopping and, you know, shooting the shit, but, you know, as it gets, you know, kind of more towards the middle of the pack and back of the pack, those people are super fun. And, huh. and we have a lot of interactions with them, you know, throughout the race. And so it's uh, the races are kind of intertwined and, and feed off of each other a little bit, but uh, they certainly respect us. I can promise you that I had numerous, mushers stop and say you guys realize you are the most badass people on this trail you know and, and you know and these are grizzled you know I did rod veterans and they're like they realize that people out there on foot are are going through it <laughs> yeah well, that's that's awesome and I love that story <clears throat> there's also trail angels and they're the locals who open up their homes to to feed and haze the races how much effect do they have on the morale of the race you know, it, I will say that it changes. It's different. You know, um, as you're going, you go to different places. Some you jive with, some it's just business. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's very transactional. You know, um, you want a place to sleep. You want a burger. You want a beer. You know, um, yeah. you know, you want a shower if possible. And it's just kind of like, you know, that sort of thing. Others, it's as if you're walking into someone's home you know, and, and, and they take care of you, they open up their house, they, you know, um, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, you feel loved up on by by so many people. Um, you know, uh, everyone knows what you're going through. You know, um, I, I, a lot of people think you're pretty stupid for doing it. I have to say, you know, they're like, don't you know, there's snow machines and, and dog teams. And, you know, they're like, what are y'all doing? And it's just like, you know, um, uh, we kind of feel like we're just, we're throwbacks, you know, to a, to a different time, yeah. you know, that, and, um, some of these people that, that put us up and, and take care of us, you know, they've been living backcountry Alaska for decades and they're unbelievable people with unbelievable stories. And, 
you know, so you'll sometimes take out some some drinks and, you know, and, and start to uh, just en enjoying the time. And uh, <laughs> sometimes you forget you're in the race. You yeah, know? Okay. There's, been, there's been times when I'm, I've been having such a good time and someone will kind of be like, Oh yeah, we saw another person coming up a few miles behind you. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that's right. <laughs> get I gotta go. I gotta go. Put on my hat and out the door, and you yeah. know. But it's it's wonderful. Those those experiences to me, you know, um, it's it's everything that all that happened in the middle. You know, it's just all the people you meet, and you know, I would say like, you know, yeah, I, I had some some bad experiences too. I met some people that were, you know, just not looking for good things, you know, right. um, you know, and you're out there in the middle of the wilderness, you're pretty exposed on your feet. Yeah. And I've had a couple kind of scary instances, but I will, I will be the first to say that that is very uncommon. And the vast majority of people that, that even walk by you or, or look at you or, or take you in they are they would give you the shirt off their back. I mean, that's the Alaskan way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't always pretty. Um, we're always beat up and tired and smelly. And, you know, sometimes we're getting it at, in at 4am, you yeah. know, we're trying to knock on doors of people that we were told that might put us up. And, you know, some people aren't in the mood to, to have us when we're, you know, in that way. So it's, it's always kind of just be respectful and hope for the best. And, and most times the locals hook you up. No, that's great. It, would it be, is it hard, like after you've been in a warm home to go outside again and get started again? No, because, you know, you know what the mission is, you yeah. know, um, you know, um, ultimately, um, when I was young, I wanted to do the Iditarod with dogs. That was a big dream of mine. And so getting to Nome in my mind was something that I envisioned doing. Yeah. You know, I always thought it'd be on with a dog team. Um, and once it happened, you know, but but I always kept that focus when I gave up on the mushing dream and found ultra running and then found that race. I always kept that focus like Gnome was still the goal for me. So, um, you know, uh, places can lure you in, you know, you get to comfortable yes. places and they have beers and they have people that want to hear stories. And next thing you know, you spent way too much time there. And so you have to kind of have a you have, you, you have to have fun. I mean, you have to be open to whatever happens, but at the same time, it's not like you're trying to party your way through yeah. the Iditarod, you know, and, and, uh, and be social. Sometimes I don't feel like dealing with people, you know what I mean? It's, it works both ways and I can always sleep outside too, which is nice, you know? So that's always, yeah. you know, I was going to ask you, how often did you trail Bivy or did you stay mainly at the checkpoints? And I would say it was probably, um, Half, it was probably half and half to answer your first question, you know, as far as sleeping in places and winter lodges and people's cabins and or lean tos or little shelters or um, yeah. that or uh, sleeping bivy on the trail. Um, and, um, um, you know, when you get dialed in, you like when you're going, you know, like anything, anyone that's done any long trip, like if you do things day after day after day, they get more efficient, you know, and yeah. it's not such a hassle to get into you know your bivy sack and your sleeping yeah. bag to make a meal and to and so um usually to be honest um I was pretty hardcore about traveling on the trail when I'm on the trail it was usually trying to get to the next place or get to the place where I, I needed to stop sometimes that entailed falling asleep on my feet you know a lot of times you would be moving um you would take like a line on the trail and you would, you know, you'd open your eyes and pick a place that you're going to walk to. And then you close your eyes and almost fall asleep for 
a few minutes or until you are going in the wrong direction and go off trail or run into a branch or something, you know, or you hear something and then you kind of come back to and you pick a new spot. And then, meanwhile, you come, you got all these scrapes all over your face and you don't even know it. And, yeah. you know, you're just a mess out there. So a lot of times I would just go until I needed to sleep. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a pain in the ass going through the whole, you know, rigmarole of setting everything up and, and the cold with things blowing yeah. away. And you got to be really, you know, uh, like I said, um, simple mistakes can be compounded. And next thing you know, you know, you're really hurting or you have frostbite or something very dangerous. So, yeah, yeah, that would definitely be a consideration, I'm sure, when you're thinking of trail bivvying. And, and how long, just, just a little, so how long did it take you to finish it? 26 days. 13 hours and 44 minutes so wow. I think I think it came to about 38 miles a day yeah. uh, mm -hmm. without a rest day you know and and uh, so I would tell people that you know sometimes it was 18 miles a day sometimes it was 58 miles a day yeah. you know it, it depended on what the weather gave you and what you had uh, as far as you know in your body and um, you know how bad you wanted it you know, um, it's a, it's a, I, I, you know, it's been three years and it seems like sometimes it's been 30, you know, it's like, I, it, I'd like, I, I think back to that time and it's been, a, it's been a thousand days now since I've done that stuff. And, um, you know, so it's almost like, I'll be like, I, I, it seems impossible again to me, like for me to think about starting again and like learning my way through that and facing all that I did. Uh, it, it, it would, it feels daunting again, even though I've already done it, you know, it's just, it doesn't get any easier out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. 26 days. That's a, a long time. And I mean, obviously it was the winning time, but it's still a long time. Um, like of that time, how much do you reckon you slept in total? <clears throat> so probably five days you know, for, for, you know, in, in total, yeah. I would say it was probably, I would, I probably would average about my guess would be 16 to 17 hours on foot every day, wow. you know, and sometimes that was snowshoes and sometimes that was moving on a hard packed trail and, and hiking as if you were, you know, in a mall or something, you know, it's a, <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's a, it can go, it can go both ways, but yeah. Um, yeah, 38, 38 miles a day. And, and that was, uh, you know, that, that was the winning time. And there was only, there was one other finisher that year and oh, wow. uh, we battled pretty well, well throughout that whole race. And then <clears throat> I was so happy because the next year he went back and won the race. Oh, cool. And so I was really proud of him. Um, you know, I, I had massive respect for him before any of this started, you know, he, you know, yeah. and so, um, and not many of us, you know, are in this realm. You know, it, it's yeah. a, it's a pretty small group of people that are stupid enough to do this. You know? Yeah, I mean, ultra running is a niche sport at the best of times, and this is like a niche of the niche. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's that's why you know um, that's why none of us, you know, if you put us all in a room and talk to us all, you'll be like, "Yeah, these are just normal people. There's no egos. It's you yeah. know, and it's because no one even knows us. You know? yeah. It's like we're flying way under the radar. You know, there's no magazines. You know yeah. that." There, there might not even be mention of our race in the ultra running magazine, you know, or, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah. 
it's just it's just a whole different beast um gladly i'm happy that more people are, are finding out about it and it's uh it's getting competitive and some really world-class athletes are starting to show okay. up and yeah and i'm happy for that you know i think it's great um it's it's got some really interesting roots and and i'm happy to be a part of it um and and pass the torch a little bit to, yeah. to the to the youngsters yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what was your nutrition like? Like, what sort of things can you eat out there? Because I assume some things would become frozen. Uh, it is brutal. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Oh, well, here's another thing I forgot to mention, and it might help you understand about the, the eating part of it. Um, when I started the race, I was 210 pounds. And when I finished, I was 169 pounds. Whoa. And, and so um, you're running at a massive deficit. Um, I was wearing too many clothes because it was so cold and I'd be sweating. So I'd just be running, you know, I'd be sweating and not having eaten enough. And, you know, um, I'm, I tend to burn it out pretty hard. You know, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to stop. Oh, I can make it one more hour. And, oh, I can make it one more hour. Next thing you know, you know, you're you're in no man's land because you haven't eaten in a, a half day or something, you know. So it was pretty touch and go for me. Um, you know, numerous other racers would stop, you know, once or twice a day on the trail and pull out their stoves and make hot meals and make teas and all that kind of stuff. And it was just my mind was like I had a climbing um, bag, you know, like a chalk bag. Yeah. Um, and I and then I had that hanging off of my harness that I haul my sled that I haul my sled with. And then I had a bunch of like snacks in there, you know, like trail food, you know, yeah. really just like granolas and candy and jerkies and, you know, just hundred, hundred calories at a time. And sometimes yeah. you'd have to put them in your armpit. Uh, sometimes, you know, and sometimes you'd have to put them in your first layer and, you know, yeah. and hike for uh, five hours to thaw it out. It was brutal. And then you're, uh, you know, and you're, I can imagine. you know, and then, and then after a while, you know, you don't taste anything, you know, it's just, it's literally, you put stuff in your mouth because you need energy. Yeah. And then after a while, it's like, I don't hardly need energy. I'm like a walking soul at this uh -huh. point, you know, it's like, so it's like wow. massive deficit, you know, there's no way that you can eat enough in a day right. to how many calories you're burning out there on the trail and, and let alone doing it for 26 and a half days. When I got done, I went to church and I had someone come up and hug me and almost like start crying. <sighs> and I was wondering what was wrong with them. And they, they said, well, you're, you're sick with cancer. And I was no. like, no, no, I'm, I'm not sick with cancer. You know, I'm the, that's how sickly I look right. though. I look like kind of emaciated and, you know, um, you know, really rough shape when I got done with that race. That's why I have no idea how many people do it multiple times. Like it took, it took the life out of me, to be and, honest. Yeah, I can and imagine. And how long did it take you to recover then? I was, I mean, I was touch and go for a while after I got home. My wife was worried about me after I got home, numerous days mm -hmm. after I got home. I mean, I was having IVs twice a day wow. um, for numerous days. Um, I got Jardia. Um, yep. I don't know. Do you know what Jardia is? Yep, the, yep. the water, the waterborne yes. illness. Um, so I was having intestinal, I was having massive diarrhea for the so last five the days. Back in. Oh, no. I mean, there was nothing that would hold uh, hardly water. Um, and so I was so sick, um, you know, just depleted, sick and just run down ragged, you know, and um, 
you know, it was kind of interesting because I would come home and, you know, some people would want some time, you know, some, some important person or place would want, you know, my time. And I'd say, you know, they'd be like, well, we have to do this today. You know, we have to have this story out by, and I'm like, no, you know, I'm not like, no, I need time. I don't, I don't care about this. I need time to heal my body from this. Um, so it was tough in that way. Um, and it took a good six months, I would say. It, it yeah. took, it took a, a, a half a year before I probably felt like I was like going out for a jog again, like running, you wow. know, that again, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously your body took a, a, a huge toll. Did you get any frostbite or anything like that? No, no, I took good That's care good of myself. Thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was very comfortable with my systems, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, if I were going to make massive mistakes, it probably would have been my first few years. And I did, you know, I did all those. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I'd like to think I'm, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid kind of deal, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to continually make the same error. And yeah. so it, it was beautiful too, because by the end of my trip in, in, uh, in Alaska at the Iditarod, um, by the end of the trip on, on the time, if it didn't have anything to do with food, water, or shelter, I really had no time or place for it in my life. I mean, I got so simple out there and knew how to take care of myself. And so it was just, it was beautiful. Um, in fact, I remember reading books when I was young about mushers that would get close to Nome and they would want to stop and turn back towards the the meat of the race because they knew that when they finished it meant that they had to go back to insurance and to work mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. all the all the things that take your you know time and energy on the day-to-day basis and they realized that they just were living you know a beautifully in tune with nature life for yeah. for a long time and now all of a sudden it's like all right here I go. And you got to kind of get back to, to normalcy. And that's been difficult. That's very difficult for people that do things like I have. And, and even more like, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting on top of the food chain. I there's hundreds of thousands of people that I look up to that I, in my opinion have done more than I have um, or, or at least a similar regards that I have respect for. And, and um, so, you know, I just, uh, I just stay humble and just, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've had such an awesome time in the sport and, um, and, and learned so much. I mean, honestly, if I didn't have ultra running, if I wouldn't have found running, I can almost guarantee you, I would, would have ended up in jail or dead. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how important running is to me. And that's how little time and place and you know uh, metals and all the stuff that goes with running means not much to me because running really is is my mental health and 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 where I feel most free and and alive in in life you know yeah yeah no that's that's awesome and 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 speaking of the mental part of it like when you're out there for so long Mm-hmm. how do you deal with with the, the mental difficulty of it all but also the wandering thoughts and those sorts of things to be I'm glad you I'm, this is the organic part that's really fun that I enjoy mm-hmm. talking about because these are kind of meaty questions to me and um, to be honest to be brutally honest I had to find mindfulness I, I had to find the power of the present moment um, I I and I found it out there on the trail I mean, I've found my, I was working towards mindfulness. I've, you know, I've had a long, tough life with depression and losing parents and, you know, um, 
bullying, you know, and like, you know, a lot of stuff to get through in my life. And so, um, you know, uh, running ended up being very important to me. And um, I'm sorry, I got off track. What was the what was the question? Well, I was how, well how did you deal with with the, the mental difficulties of the race? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know? so for me, it was like, I found and, and this is, you know, this is not running oriented, but what I found in my life, and it took me 2,500 miles on the Iditarod Trail on foot to, to find this in my life. The simple truth is I lived about 40 years of my life in either depression about things that I have happened to me years ago or things I wish I would have done differently, pe people I wish I would have treated differently. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was a professional at beating myself up for past things in my life. And if I wasn't doing that, then I would be in anxiety about the future and about what I had to do to get to certain places. And then I'll feel that I've arrived when I get here. And, yeah. and I had no at all. I had no time or understanding of the present moment. And, and so all I listened to so many spiritual teachers out on the trail and all of a sudden, like 800 miles in, it just dawned on me that I had been living decades of my life in depression or anxiety without loving myself for being me right now and, and giving myself grace and, um, and, and being okay with who I am. Um, and so it was like, that's the therapy. I look at the Iditarod as almost intensive therapy for me. Um, so I needed to look that far deep inside me and be that far alone with my thoughts to understand that I was, I was not going to live a long, healthy life if I was in constant depression or anxiety, because yeah. I've seen stress kill people. Yeah, you know, and so um, that's a big one for me. So yeah, that was that's bigger for me than any any champion or any winner or any anything that you could put with my races. That's what I learned, which is today huge for me, you know, and still with me today, you know. Yeah, and well, so you, you um, advocate for um, mindfulness, don't you? So did you want to talk about that? That you know, I I, I think I just did. You know, I think it's yeah. I think it's there for everybody. You know, I, th I think it's not some secret, um, you know, and I think these days um, there's so much, I mean, in, in the media, you know, the, the media, the way that they push everything and the social media and everything is just so fast and, 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 and hollow in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I needed to find something that made me comfortable in my own skin, you know, um, I worked through many years of trying to fit in with groups and fit into people and try and, you know, be cool. And, you know, it just never worked for me. And ultimately it was just, I needed to be myself. And then that's when things fell into place for me is when I became comfortable with, with who I am and, 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 yeah. and, and, and faults and everything, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've learned to give myself and it's okay. You know, I'm not out to hurt anybody. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm tough on myself. And so I've, I, I needed to learn to give myself a break and to love myself for, for who I am now yeah. um, and, 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 and right. live in the present moment, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, everybody has faults. I'm, I mean, there's, there's no perfect people out there. So we have to learn to accept that within ourselves as well, I guess. I think we're better off sharing our faults, you know, rather than sweeping them under a rug. I think COVID has really brought out mental health.
Yes. Um, I've been screaming from the top of mountains for a long time that mental health has swept under the rug and no one talks about it. And everyone can look all good for pictures, but there's no serious conversations and there's no humility. And um, so, you know, I've just, I'm a, I'm a deeper person, you know, I'm, I'm looking for something much more deep and um, you know, the, the running has given me an opportunity to find it. And, and so that's, I'm forever indebted to running, but not races and not people, but just the simple act has, has saved my life in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do believe that a lot of people get into ultra running for, you know, the mental health benefits of it too. Yeah, so it's a pretty ragged crew. I mean, you know, you look, you know, you see a lot of tattoos, you see a lot of people that have looked like they've lived hard lives. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of people, it, 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 it has been that way, you know, but, but ultimately they have found, and, and I, I'll speak to myself, I, I have found something that keeps me out of the gutter you know, on the street, you know what I mean? And, and ultimately has also given me reasons to want to help others and to stand up for things I believe in and to raise money and, and, and philanthropy is very important to me. And so, you know, um, you know, again, it's just amazing what this sport can do for people, you know, um, and, and it's there for everybody. That's the thing that it's, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's easy for you runners. And it's like, it's never easy as a runner. Yeah. It's never easy. People think that because we run a lot, it's like we get out of bed and go, oh, we're going <laughs> to run six miles today oh, in the right. rain. And, you know, no. hey, yeah. <laughs> it's not that way, people, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's just, it's discipline. It, it is really discipline. is work. It, it's work and discipline, you know, yeah. and, and I enjoy that work you know, so, um, it keeps me going, but, um, but I'm, I'm a work in progress, you know, um, I, I, I dip and, and, you know, you know, do well and, and, and lean and, 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 and go back the other way and have to find myself and yeah. I'm a human, you know? And so yeah. it's, uh, it's fun to finally just kind of laugh about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. And, and, and that's, uh, thanks for sharing all that with us. Like it's, and it's, it's, almost a bit affirming for people to hear it because it's not just them, you know? <clears throat> oh, that, that's empowering. That, yeah. That's so important. And, and, you know, and it is for me too, you know, it, yeah. it makes me feel good to get things off of my chest that I think, you know, um, for years I might not openly speak like this, but, you know, I'm just at a place in life where I'm content with who I am. And, and, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've had a tough road that I feel like I've gotten somewhere with, with, you know, treating people right and, and trying to, you know, take care of others and, and do right, you know, because <clears throat> ultimately I kind of look at ultra running as kind of selfish, you know, I mean, in certain yeah, regards, know. you know, yeah. um, you know, you're doing these big races and you're training and you're leaving your family and you're doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, so, so for me, it's like, if I can do things for others through my running, it kind of helps me to justify the fact mm-hmm. that I'm out doing these things in the first place. Um, but I, I do have a supportive family, which is a, a huge blessing to me. Yeah, that, that's a definite bonus. So that's really good. All right. Well, and um, how can people follow you if they want to see how you're going with your 100 mile challenge? Yes. Um, you know, I, have, I do have a website, uh, PeteRittmaster.com. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that I'm trying to keep that updated as far as when my hundreds happen and where they happen and, and kind of, I'm a public speaker as well. So uh, people can, 
you know, get in touch with me and on that front. And, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun traveling and, and doing talks for different people and, and companies. Um, and then social media, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I do, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. I think at this point, I, I try to do a lot of other stuff. It's just too much for me. With this um, so many kind of, now, it's like you, can't you know, I, I just can't. I can't do it. So yeah. I just kind of hone in on two. And yeah. you know, my kids are like, nobody does Facebook anymore. I'm like, well, too bad because that's all I'm. Doing. And then my daughter says, that's and, for old people. <laughs> oh, exactly. And here I am, you know, losing my hair and and, uh, and, and proudly on Facebook. And so yeah. they can find me there and and yeah. all that. But uh, yeah, that that. That's about it. All right. Well, I'll link to those um, in, the, in the show notes. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And, and it's been great to chat with you and, and such good information. Like, I love it. It's, it's been a real interesting chat. I'm glad. Thanks for having me, Isabel. I appreciate your time, too. No worries. Thank you. I've watched videos before about the Iditarod, so it was great to finally speak to someone who has actually done it. Sounds super tough, and it looks it when you watch them, and it looks like a huge challenge. I can only imagine how helpful mindfulness would be and so important when you're out there for that long. Let me know what you thought about the interview. Now, don't forget, if you have an interesting story to share or an idea for an interview, email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au, and you never know, you might end up being on the podcast. Have a great week week of running and training and have fun out there on the roads and trails.